Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of NHASED Spotlight, a podcast. This is where we discuss educational topics in order to be a catalyst for conversation to inspire excellence in teaching, learning, and leading. This is Jan Yost, the Executive Director of NHASED, and your host for this episode. Welcome to NHASED Spotlight. We are thrilled to have three exceptional leaders as our guests today. But before I introduce them, I'd like to introduce our co-host for this episode, Kristen Moreland. Kristen is the Director of Teaching and Learning at Littleton um, that school district and is also a member of NHASED's Board of Director. Kristen, welcome. Hi, thanks. Thank you for having me. So happy to be here. It is our pleasure. So now to our guests. Um, we have with us Dr. Sydney Leggett. I hope I said that correctly. You did. Thanks. Um, <laughs> great. Uh, she is the superintendent of schools in SAU 75. Also here is Meredith Nato, the superintendent of schools of SAU 21, which is Northampton, Southampton, Hampton Falls, and Winniconnet, as well as Dr. Jennifer Gillis. Um, the interim superintendent of the Manchester School District. So thank you so much for joining us, ladies. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Um, we are here to talk about women in leadership, as well as the initiative that you were instrumental in organizing. But before we do that, um, maybe each of you could tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey um, to where you are today, um, as well as the program. So maybe Sydney, you could start. Sure, thanks very much for having us. We're excited to be here. Um, I started teaching in New Hampshire in uh, 1994 as an English teacher and have been in various roles around the state and currently, as you said, serving as the superintendent of schools for the Grantham School District, SAU 75. And this is my fifth year in Grantham. Um, part of what brought me to this specific point in connecting with Meredith and um, Jen is my doctoral work, which I did through Southern New Hampshire University. And my doctoral uh, dissertation was specifically on women in the superintendency in New Hampshire and how women build resilience to be in this position. That's a traditionally male dominated role. So once uh, I started meeting like-minded people, this group started to form. <laughs> awesome. Uh, Meredith? So I just realized, Sydney, that you and I started teaching English the same year. I was a middle school English teacher, um, started in New Hampshire also back in 1994, and have worn, I think, all the hats you can wear, right, rising up um, in the education system. And this is my 11th year now as a superintendent. Um, five of those were in Maine, um, and the rest here in New Hampshire. Um, and uh, yeah, for, for me, I think the piece of this work that connected us, as Sydney said, uh, you know, I've, I've had the opportunity to be in leadership roles. There have been few women mentors um, um, as I've risen sort of through those roles. You have to seek them out and, and connect with them. 
Um, but I also have seen a lot of women um, not continue on leadership paths um, because of some of the challenges they've faced, not because they aren't skilled, qualified, exceptional um, people who could do well in those roles, but because of some of the barriers. And um, I think it falls to all of us to do what we can to um, move those out of the way and help people be successful. Very true. Jennifer. So my path's a little bit different uh, than my two colleagues. I started my career in brain injury rehab, um, spent about a decade in that work, and then um, recognized I wanted to be connected a little bit more um, to proactive steps, um, trying to help people have different paths um, and maybe interrupt some patterns that could um, result in um, some decisions that could end up in a negative, uh, negative outcome. Um, so I started my career in special education. Certainly there was a focus with um, uh, students who had been um, brain injury survivors. And then that led quickly to uh, a track um, as a building level assistant principal and then principal. Um, at that point is when I started looking at retention in the state of New Hampshire and started to focus in on um, gender task overload, um, isolation and um, uh, grade level. So what were the different grade levels that we were seeing principals either successful and or starting to see them um, exit out at a faster clip. Um, that then landed me. Sorry. I have okay. No, you know, that's part of being on a Zoom call or, or recording. It's part they, of They feel the need life. to be a part. Um, that then landed me into my district level um, role. I started out as an assistant superintendent, um, but stayed connected as I was finishing my dissertation, um, looking at what did retention look like in our state? And I became keenly aware, um, definitely at the building level and then the district level impacts for women. That's, that's great. One of the things, Meredith, I think you mentioned was looking at the challenges and barriers that women face as they go through the ranks um, in educational leadership. I was wondering if one of you could maybe elaborate on that, share maybe some of the challenges that you had um, as a woman who has two degrees in mathematics, that's where I had challenges or faced challenges, being like the only female in some of my classes, um, but it's very different. So I'd love to hear what you, know, you faced and what you perceive or believe are the challenges now. Hey, I, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna just start us off, although I know we're all gonna chime in because I think that's a big reason of why we're here. But this was a huge focus of my work and how women build the resilience to go um, beyond the obstacles that they face. The biggest obstacles are really the combination of public perception and public scrutiny um, for women leaders, uh, whether they're in the superintendency or even not in the superintendency, just central office leadership. And um, I haven't studied as much about principals as Jen has, but I'm sure uh, with principals as well is that there's still a, a lingering public perception that a superintendent is the um, older guy in a suit, <laughs> for, for lack of a, a better way to put it. And so there's a little bit of like role incongruity when people see women rising up through leadership. So the perception is something that it's important to, to move through and then beyond. In addition, the, there's a lot more public scrutiny, and this is something that's been researched pretty thoroughly, is that women leaders tend to be judged more harshly for their 
tough decisions and for their mistakes that they make um, than their male counterparts. So moving through that public scrutiny is also something that's really important. And sometimes what happens then is to move through that public scrutiny and to, to, um, to solve the issues that we all know that we need to solve in these roles, you have to be assertive and that assertiveness is also mis also, also often misconstrued as aggression um, for women. Yeah. So, so it's all of those things combined that I think are the, the biggest factors in terms of obstacles that, that are very common among all women going into central office leadership. Meredith or Jennifer, do you wanna to add to that from your experiences? I think she's pointing at me. So I'm going to add in um, isolation. Uh, I think as you start to take on different roles, certainly you become um, less and less of a group and uh, the information in the buck essentially is stopping with you. Um, I think having like minds, colleagues that you can go to, um, I'm kind of dovetailing to the work that we've been creating, um, helps you be stronger, helps you have those thought partners, um, reduces that impact of feeling like you're walking that path totally on your own. Um, so I, I can say personally, and from uh, the research I did, certainly isolation is one of those variables that um, for many, but women in particular, you start to crave those, um, those contacts or those connections. Uh, so speaking of the work that you're doing now and the, the WELL initiative, it was really very empowering to be on that call last week um, with, what, were there 58 people who were in attendance, 58 women leaders um, from all around the state. Uh, can you just, I, it definitely fueling um, our resilience and breaking down those barriers for isolation. Can you just talk about maybe how that event came to be and, and what's next with that? Well, I can start with this one, I guess. Um, Kristen, thank you. But we had about 85 women express interest initially when we put out just sort of a, a feeler to say, hey, we're thinking about, you know, or, or I think we had already decided we were hosting something, even if only a couple of people came. But we were overwhelmed by a response of about 85 uh, women educational leaders who said they were interested. Um, and that really didn't include many principals because we really were targeting um, central office leaders at the time. We wound up with some principals participating um, when we moved the event to virtual, but, uh, but I think it is, um, you know, on our part, it was a recognition that, you know, there seems to be a hunger for this, a need for this. We've certainly seen it, the research bears it out, but, but we were feeling it in our conversations. And so opening it up, we got an overwhelming response. Um, we were hoping to have an in-person event next time around, um, probably a lunch later in the spring, but we are in the process of kind of going through the feedback from that event and helping um, to sort of narrow down some of the focus areas that people would like to look at moving forward. I don't know if Cindy or Jennifer, you want to add anything? I, I know that when we started just putting that initial email out and the three of us got so excited at the response we were seeing, one of the uh, women who followed up with me with a phone call had said, well, what are we gonna talk about? And I said, well, we're not exactly sure yet, but it's clear that we need to talk <laughs> because with that kind of a response, there was definitely a, a hunger for it. I'll add that while we got positive leading in, the positive 
coming after has also been pretty um, clear. Um, lots of emails came in, a couple of phone calls and texts came in. Um, I saw a lot of thank yous for the work or the invitation that we put out. Um, I think there's a uh, overwhelming interest in continuing it. And while we're kind of building it as we're in flight, um, I think there's a real appreciation that at least someone started building it, right? So we're, we're putting this context out and we're giving um, our colleagues across the state this opportunity to lean in and really try to push the work with us um, rather than us at them. So I think I think our the response to our to our work to what we put out there has been incredibly overwhelmingly positive. I love that you're bringing women leaders together because again, one of you said how in leadership positions, and I think especially at the superintendent level, you're so isolated. You know, who do you go to to just share an idea, even to vent? <laughs> you know, hope we all need to at some point or other. Um, so that you're you're bringing these people together, I absolutely love. Um, how you you touched on how you think you're going to expand it. Um, can you maybe elaborate on that a little more? Um, do you see this? going to in-person? Do you see this expanding to other leadership positions beyond the superintendencies? I mean, and, and then how do people find out about it? Okay, uh, I will, uh, Jennifer, <laughs> you're in my top left, there you go. I, I'm waiting for the for Sydney and Maria to pop in. I'm trying not to step on people's voices. Um, so a couple things. One, um, at the conclusion of our first meeting, we did um, an exit ticket to pull interests and um, areas of expertise out of the participants. Um, so areas of interest, what other topics, what other um, events can we put forward? We did hear um, a request for, let's not always just do professional, let's figure out some ways to socialize and connect and build um, relationships moving forward. Um, but we're also looking to cull out of that exit slip um, who is comfortable sharing their expertise or knowledge with others and so that so we can partner as we roll forward. Um, and then your question regarding are we stretching to others? Um, we already have um, Bridie Belmore from the New Hampshire School Principal Association was um, involved in our first meeting. Um, and prior to my work with Meredith in Sydney, I had been connecting with Meredith um, through my work on my dissertation. So there was a natural um, ability for us to dovetail the work that we were looking at with some um, some work I had already started with Bridie. So I think we're excited to see it stretch, but also pull from within ourselves to figure out what the needs might be. What, what have you found to be some of those needs and what are some of the topics that either you did in the last one and or are considering for a future one? Meredith, you pointed, but I'm not sure to whom. <laughs> well, I was suggesting Sydney might want to take that. She's the most familiar with the feedback that's come in so far. Okay, thanks. So I would say the majority of the feed feedback really has to do with connecting and supporting. Um, that's what we heard more than anything is just the need to connect and to, and to support and for um, women leaders to have that a safe space and safe people to do that kind of connecting with where they don't... Um, where they don't have to hesitate and we have those good kind of critical friends that we all need as we're navigating some tough issues. 
A couple of other common themes that have come up are um, just some basic skills. One of the things that we talked about in one of the breakout sessions was uh, women in negotiations and not just, you know, not just union negotiations, but negotiating for our own contracts and looking at negotiations with a variety of other entities, which might be something that we want to bring somebody in to, to do with the group at some point. Um, and then there's also definitely when it comes, this relates a little bit to the idea of that support and connection, but there's definitely a need for people to rely on each other to have the bandwidth to advocate both for and against some of our legislation right now. Um, it's a lot on top of leading schools during the pandemic in our third year. It's a lot to try and muster everything that we need to do to look at a lot of those things that are happening around the state, some good and some concerning, and to be able to have people to go into that with you to see how we can have a voice. And my personal hope would be that this group um, becomes a significant voice in that respect. Sounds like there's a potential for a partnership with NHASCD there. <laughs> Some of the work we're doing. Um, I just, so as a participant in the group, one thing that came out of my, my breakout room was this idea of like, how are we also supporting the next generation of women leaders? And if there is a potential space for that, right? Just, just that, that encouragement of like, we see something in you, um, know that there is this, this group of women um, who, are, who are doing this work in, in, and have that need for support. Um, in my doctoral work, which just started, I'm looking at that idea of collective leader efficacy and how you know, in your traditional principal programs, you're not taught some of these things um, and definitely some of the barriers that, that women face. Um, I guess I don't have a question, just I just think it's such a powerful idea and, I, and I'm so grateful for the, the work that, that you all have started. I think what you're touching on is so important, Kristen. I think, I, I think that's a lot of, of this piece. Um, I, I think women on average need to be tapped on the shoulder six times, right, before they say, oh, maybe I can do this, maybe this is really true. Right, that isn't necessarily true for our male, male counterparts. Women hold every role in education historically, right, before they become or they rise to a central office position or or a superintendent positionship. They have to have been a paraeducator and a teacher and a assistant principal and a principal and a curriculum director or special services director. Um, again, not necessarily the same for our male counterparts. So that that reassurance that having someone say to you, you are capable of this work, you are a leader, you have tremendous skills, how can I help you showcase those uh, is critical if we want to gain some, you know, some parity for women in, the, in a workforce dominated by women, right? There are, the leadership uh, numbers are not the same. Absolutely. Nationally, I think, Sydney, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's like 28% of women nationwide are superintendents. We're in a workforce that is 70 plus percent women. Right. So if, the way that I have people try and visualize it is if you just look at a pie chart, three quarters of that pie chart will be filled with women if you're looking overall at, at educators with 25% administrators. And then if you're looking at administrators, just flip those and you'll see about 25% women are administrators and 75% are men. So it's, uh, it's very clearly uh, gender stratified. And New Hampshire is a little bit higher than the national average, which was 
some of my inspiration for my study. I wanted to see how this resilience is built and what positive things might be happening here in order to have a higher than national average of women in this role. So I'm curious, how do people find out more about the Well Initiative? Is there a location they can go to? Do you have a website? They contact one of you? Do they wait to hear from you? <laughs> well, they can definitely contact us now. Uh, we haven't gotten to the build a website stage of, of this work yet. Um, I, as, as I think Jen said, we were kind of overwhelmed by the positive response that we received and um, are sort of feeling out well, which way do we take this and how do we mobilize. Um, principals can also certainly contact the Principals Association. People can contact the Superintendents Association who would gladly put, put us in, in, in touch with us, ASCD, um, uh, special, ed, special Ed Administrators in New Hampshire, NAJA um, will also connect connect people with us. But yeah, we're trying to tap into some of those existing networks and say, here we are, um, just to welcome people in and, and help make those connections. I think, as Jen said, we're really looking to sort of build this web, right? We know these folks are here. We're, we are sort of isolated in our own little webs, right? But if we can connect these around the state, the reach will be much more powerful and um, supportive. Mm -hmm. Well, I want to thank the three of you. Um, it's a pleasure to chat with each of you and as well as learn more about the initiative. Kristen, again, thank you so much for connecting all of us. I uh, really appreciate it. And, and I'm bringing a friend to the next event, so. <laughs> Excellent. Now, can, now that I'm not in education anymore, but still in a leadership position, you know, I may ask, Oh, please. Yeah. And we've had we've had some connections too of some uh, retired folks who yeah. have been part of it. Um, I know that the school board association is one of the webs that we're connecting with too. Mm -hmm. And school boards play a very important role in all of this work. So um, it's definitely something that is is naturally building momentum, which is really exciting. That it is exciting. Um, again, thank you so much. And I look forward to hearing about your next event. So take care, ladies, and thanks again. Congratulations one more time, everyone. Thank you. Thank you, thank you so much for having, for having us. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of NHASCD Spotlight. Remember to hit subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And be sure to visit us on our website, nhasd.org.